I don't mean to be polarizing, but East Coast or bust, baby. I went to the shiny city by the sea, and now I'll say what I saw. And then you can hear the writers shaking as they talk about AI and the future of design. And that means move over, Silicon Valley lame. The AI fashion giant is blooming right out of the Chelsea Flatiron District. That's right, New York City. That's today on the Genspec Fashion Cast. Hey, do you ever wonder what the future is going to be like? Or do you work in a creative field and have at least tepid concerns about how AI is going to affect your industry? You can tell me. It's okay. Well, I'm here to report from the front lines as a per usual arrangement. And... The news is that it is, it's going to happen whether or not we want it or are ready for it because the technology exists and from what I have seen, if it's possible for something to be done technological or scientific wise, um, it's almost like the people that created are just going to do it regardless. It's like if you could, let's say, clone something and someone might say, well, you know, even if you can, maybe you shouldn't. And, you know, there's a a whole argument to be had there. But uh, it seems the way that the AI technology has been developing, which we'll cover a little bit here, uh, it is almost as if there are some people who are saying that it's, one, that they feel threatened by it because of its capability is is slightly more um, capable than, let's say, a person in different uh, professional roles. But also, there are some people who just have general concerns and are thinking along the lines of, you know, blackmailing people with deep fakes or faking someone's voice on a call Uh, because you can AI generate something, or if people are writers, why would someone hire a regular person? Um, The the question that some people have is that, you know, if someone, if they're a writer and looking for a job, um, and someone has a project they need a writer for, why wouldn't they just go type it into AI? So there are those concerns. But even though I just gave a few examples just right off of the top of my head. And there are plenty more if you go out and search them out. The technology is still coming, and it's still coming at a rapid rate. And uh, it doesn't really show signs of stopping. Um, Sort of like, it's not the first time we've seen this. It's sort of like if you look at, say, social media, I know it gets a pretty bad rap Uh, nowadays uh, and maybe that's deserving because apparently it does make people pretty depressed there are a lot of correlations Um, I know that from reading the book iGen which I'm like halfway through I've picked up other stuff that's just more interesting you know how that goes 
And also there was another book that I read called um, Irreversible Damage by uh, Schreier, Abigail Schreier. And um, what's really crazy, it kind of affects certain groups of people more so than others. So if you already have a tendency to look at other people and compare yourself, which is, I mean, if you ask me, that's kind of like human nature anyway. And uh, it can exacerbate that. And so, and also to me, um, here's my personal take is that if you are like doom scrolling, you're just at the mercy of a bunch of different um, ideas that are basically, you're basically putting yourself under like an idea deluge or like a waterfall. And you're kind of just like for the sake of, let's say, entertainment or boredom or curiosity, you're like, you know what, just hammer me, just, you know, like give me nonstop rapid succession of random ideas. And uh, that takes a lot of mental capital to sit down and and we do it unknowingly i mean i go through phases where you know i definitely have done my share of doom scrolling and uh so we will just kind of if you think about it in a way just kind of surrender our personal like train of thought our our personal fortitude i guess if you will and we're just like okay go ahead and just throw whatever's in the feed in the pipeline just go ahead and throw it at me and you're getting tossed all over the place if you think about it. Like if you're on Instagram, for example, or even TikTok, you know, it's um, if you just think about so the information is made to be very bite sized and very like fast food type of information as opposed to like, you know, a nice hearty meal that's been cooked and prepared and um, and it's meant to give you sustenance and all that. It's very like surface value um, and in some ways that's actually a good thing because it works it entertains people and it also is uh, it's obviously what the the market wants because that's where all the eyeballs are that's uh you know tiktok has more daily users and it has an average time that's longer uh, than other social media apps i know that there was a study that came out and i'm going to guess on the numbers here but for example, Twitter was six minutes and uh, TikTok was it was like somewhere around 56 or something like that. It was in the 50s uh, or 52 minutes per day uh, average use. So uh, that's just what the numbers came out to show is that people spend more time on TikTok. And to me, it's like, OK, that that's totally fine if that's your form of entertainment or, you know, I do think that people allow it to like dictate to them quite a bit. But so the reason why I think that it's uh, better to moderate that is because um, for every single new video, new concept that you're coming across, which can be, let's say you sit down for 10 minutes, you could be exposed to, let's say, I don't know, in 10 minutes, let's say um, if you have like maybe, uh, maybe like 10, let's say 10 videos, or that's probably too low like let's say let's just say for the sake of argument 20 videos per minute that you're consuming because you're kind of just like watching a bit and then you just scroll you know or even 10 let's say 10 you're watching 10 you're you know giving them about six seconds each um per or wait i suck at math but let's say 10 10 videos 
per minute and you watch it for 10, 10 minutes, that means you've watched 100 videos. And in each one, you've had to kind of figure out what's going on, figure out if it's something that you want to watch, figure out like, you know, like let's say it's like a like a meme or something. Okay, well, what's the premise of the, like it's like a video of like, you know, this is how it is when your boss, like, don't, you know, don't you hate it when you get in fights with your boss? Fighting with your boss be like, you know, hey, I thought you was going to take out the trash, you know? And so you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then uh, you're like, all right, that, this is how, you know, all right, here we go. They're going to show me what it's like, you know, fighting with your boss be like, let's see, what is it? And uh, you're, you know, and this is really rapid fire. Maybe some of it's even subconscious. And then you're like, all right, well, yeah, I guess they're right. You know, that was pretty funny. You know, that was good. Okay. And, and then now you're on the next one. And um, just the mental capital alone, it takes to, you know, and then, and then we train ourselves, if you think about it, to not even go through those steps to kind of just like, what's the next idea? What's the next idea? And that's why I compare it to like a waterfall because you're just like, all right, I'm going to just let you take over. I'm going to let my, you know, just basic will be to just keep moving through the feed and it's like as soon as I get tired of one thing I'm going to go to the next and um, so that's a big difference from let's say just for example if you sit down and read a book um, that's one topic from one author and it engages you for a long period of time now with that being said if I were to let's say want to get uh, some really high value information out there that I thought was high value and I wanted to share it with people statistically, if I were to, to put it out there, it's going to get consumed a lot more if I put it in a, you know, video that let's say happens to get some sort of virality to it that gets watched quite a bit. And generally for that, it's going to, you're going to want to have it be like the format, which is very short. There are like things that people know as the, what do they call it? The convention like that voice that's on TikTok, the the women, woman talking or the other voices that they have. And uh, there's even like the text and the font because, of course, we, you know, that's uh, we always associate. We tend to associate fonts with um, their, their use or their uh, brand or where we see them, how they're used, like sans serif and serif, all that good stuff. So. Um, if I wanted to get that idea out, I could write a book and I could put a lot of thought and heart into it, but nowadays people just don't read books. So I can like shake my hand at the sky and be like, man, you know, you dummies, like you, you should read books. But if the market, so to speak, um, it's like what they call the attention economy. Now, if that's where people are focusing their attention, you're basically, uh, you know, uh, what's a good analogy? Like you're you're going against the grain for sure, and you're trying to like paddle upstream, you know. And also you're you're casting a net where there's just not a lot of fish, as opposed to this big old cloud of fish over here. Um, but that does mean that you have to significantly change your style of content. And for me, I enjoy writing. I enjoy reading. I read full books and stuff and I don't use TikTok but um, I'm definitely not representative of uh, people writ large that's for sure and that's fine Um, there are readers out there for example it never ceases to amaze me 
that there's a like I think it's either week or it's either weekly or monthly like New York Times bestseller list, and then also I'll read magazines or uh, read other sort of like articles, and they'll they'll talk about like oh here are the best like summer beach reads, and I'm like wow there is still a group of people that will pick up a book and like sit on a beach and read it and they're like ah oh, man that was part of my vacation like I sat down and read some fiction books so. That's their prerogative. I read uh, some Dan Kennedy on the plane to New York City because I'm a East Coast elitist as opposed to a West Coast. So um, I've decided I need some big changes in my life. Um, and for that, I'm going to need some capital. And so... Um, I went up to uh, a city, uh, I went up to Austin, and um, I did some lift, some ride share before I have like a slow leak in my tire, so I had couldn't do it anymore because my tire was going flat, because of course it was, so, uh, but while I was up there, it was on a Friday night, and most of the people there were like from... Uh, like two two out of two people out of all the people I drove were from California and in fact I think well one of them was from LA and then the other one was from like um they had some weird name for it it was like not Sacramento some weird some weird name that if you're from there they're like oh yeah and then I said the name of a city and they're like oh yeah the bay and I'm like oh yeah that's that's in the bay that's right and uh, so Austin as a city, because um, it is a pretty big, pretty well-known city. I mean, it's not as big, big as like Dallas and uh, Houston, but it is known for its specific culture. And it is kind of a West Coast vibe, even though it's down here on the third coast, as as they call it, which is not really a coast. And... That to me is all well and fine, but the the difference between the actual West Coast or even the East Coast and Austin is that Austin is hot as heck. Uh, like last Friday, uh, that was two days ago, so mid-August, it was so it wasn't as hot maybe as it, as it has been, but it was hot, you know. So you're out on the on the and you're trying to go out, and it's it's hot. Uh, and uh, on the, I was in New York on the 1st of August and it was like 80 degrees. And then everyone always talks about how it's nice in LA and, and on the West Coast. I've never been to the West Coast, but maybe one of these days, uh, you know, it's East Coast for me, baby. You know, I like uh, Chicago. I like New York. You know, I like uh, Boston. You know, I like these, uh, these types of cities. Uh, they just, uh, they talk to me. You know, the West Coast, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I know it's great though. They call it, they don't call it the Gold Coast for no reason. So that was the type of people that I was picking up. And it was funny because there's a very like de- definite culture um, that's part of it. And um, I've driven here in my hometown, uh, which is also a relatively big city. And um, I've driven now for one time in Austin. And the people there were very, very friendly, like, over, like, I wouldn't say over the top friendly, but just very friendly. Like they would always ask me like how I was doing. (laughs) And I was like, you want to know how I'm doing? Or they were like, hey, how's your night so far? And I'm like, wow, that's such a nice thing to say. 
to someone getting into a lift ride, you know, whereas other people are, uh, and, and I don't really care. I'm just, you know, I'm just driving someone from point A to point B and then I get paid per drive. And that money is going to go towards, you know, a, a, basically a fund for myself. And so they're helping me fund my life. And so um, if they are the type of person that just wants to be on their phone and not talk, like, that's cool with me. They want to chop it up. That's cool with me. If they're kind of drunk, you know, I don't drink. That's cool with me. Um, You know, someone asked if they could, like, change the music uh, for the first time, but they wanted to put on their uh, phone. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to work because my phone, my car is very, like, elitist it like needs you to fill out a password to connect it so i was like you could pick one on my phone he was like no it's okay man and then we talked about him and his friend uh we all talked about steve jobs if you can believe that uh i found another freak like me who not only knew steve jobs to be a marvel and a genius but knew like myriad facts about his life so I told you I'm not crazy. I'm just in the wrong environment, <laughs> which is why, um, you know, some people think that they're born in the wrong time. Um, some people are like, yeah, man, I was I should have been born in like the 30s or 40s. I'm like an old soul. Uh, well, I was born in the wrong state. You know, I'm in a southern state um, and it's um, it is what it is. Uh, but I was I was born in the wrong state, you know. I think um, I was meant to go somewhere in like the New England area, northeast, uh, you know. And uh, so uh, that's I've just come to that conclusion. Everything about uh, what what draws me. Um, so you know, that's the 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 West Coasters can uh, they can have their um, their uh, free love and uh, their surfing and stuff and. I think that that's great, but uh, to me, I uh, prefer the hustle and bustle of the big city. So it was nice to go back and uh, get on the subway and uh, walk with uh, all the important business people and all that stuff. And you get to see some street fashion. So we want to crack into this AI thing and... It's another reason why I bring up the coasts, because when people talk about technological advancements, a lot of times they're talking about Silicon Valley, which is, I assume, a an actual area. Um, again, I don't I don't uh, spend a lot of time on California, but it's a place where a bunch of technological uh, advancements come out of. For example, it is where a lot of the um, at least part of the advancement of Apple happened. I know now they're based out of Cupertino. And Silicon Valley was what was blamed for, blamed in a good good sense, not in a bad sense, for a lot of the advancements that we had for uh, social, uh, social media. So it's, a, it's our tech hub here in the, the United States, if you think about where the, you know, if you're like a lawyer type, you want to be a lawyer, Maybe you can see yourself getting into like an Ivy League school like Brown or Columbia or Harvard or Yale, um, Stanford. But if you're a tech guy, you know about coding. Let's say you developed an app, the new killer app, as they say. Um, 
you probably, I mean, you might see yourself in those places or maybe like if you're in Texas, maybe UT. But to me, the like mecca of the AI and the developers and the tech tech bros is Silicon Valley or the West Coast um, as a whole. Um, and that's where my pre, uh, pre, like, what do you call it? That's my, like, uh, assumption going in. So maybe other people share that. Maybe they don't. But Silicon Valley and AI definitely associated in the general consciousness. So that's why I found it very interesting. And I just found out before I started recording that I only stayed about, like, three blocks away from this, this building so I, I wish I could have, I wish I would have known. I would have walked by and like checked it out because it was like literally, um, it's in the Chelsea district, which is right by the Flatiron district. And I stayed in the Flatiron district and Chelsea is like known as Chelsea Manhattan. And um, it's slightly, that's where you're getting like super de duper like um, upscale, like going from Flatiron into Chelsea. And then that's when you're like directly in Manhattan if you keep going up north up the island well it's sort of north i mean it's like northeast but you're going straight up the island um so it is a new well not new but it's a firm that i just learned about doing some research today and it's an ai firm and you'll never guess where they're based from where they're based new york city They're based from New York City. And they had, they they helmed, I guess you could say, the very first AI Fashion Week, which happened in April, and I was completely unaware of. AI Fashion Week. Hmm. Interesting. So, most people have a base understanding of what AI is and so I don't think that that needs to be explained but what we have currently is we have from what I know we have things that can render images or video even if I'm not mistaken I think it is a video I know images for sure based off of text input and then we have text output or language models like ChatGPT. So these are, I'm going to assume, relying on the visual output. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up drawing and... Uh, just little pictures, little characters, drawing. Never really got too much into color. I was more into just the illustration side. And then I started writing when I was young and then more so like in my, you know, early 20s was when I started going to school for writing. Um, but I could always write, you know, and I wrote poetry when I was a kid for some reason. 
So if, to me, the idea of using an AI model for to, de to develop a fashion design, for example, well, I guess all I can say is I would hate to be the guy who is like riding a horse when the automobile was invented and saying like, you know, what the heck's that thing? That's not a horse. You really think that thing is going to get you around like old Bessie Sue here? You know, your newfangled technology, it's going to break down and uh, pollute the environment. Not like uh, Bessie Sue here. She's gotten me through the last five, six years of my life. Uh, Henry Ford, you don't know what you're doing. And uh, no one's going to buy an automobile. And here we are, decades later, maybe centuries. Uh, I think centuries at this point. And not only are cars easy more easily available, readily available, cost-effective, affordable, um, usable, drivable, packed to the brim with convenience enhancers like air conditioning. You don't have that on a horse. And horses are now status symbols. You know, you have to have the land for the horse. You have to be able to take care of the horse. You have to buy the horse. Maybe you're using the horse in a hobby like uh, what's that dressage and it's like well if you have a working class income you probably can't afford the horse or the land much less the dressage lessons and the dressage outfits and the money to travel to go to the dressage competitions so there's an entry level a monetary entry level that comes from that but you can go get like a you know four thousand dollar car used car or something and uh, throw a couple stickers on it, and then now you've customized your car. And you can also get from point A to point B. Um, $4,000, that'll buy you, like something, you know. But a, a horse, I don't even know what the price of a horse is, much less the up upkeep. So with that being said, because, you know, I write, like, I write all the time, and I read books, frequently and articles frequently and I have engaged pretty extensively with chat GPT in fact I was um someone like told me that it was free and available pretty early on and so I was like kind of tinkering around with it before a lot of people were not to like brag or anything but uh, just before it started hitting the the articles um and more people started talking about it, but it also was on the previous version. So it's a little bit, I would say it's a little bit more cleaned up now. Now, here's the thing. As a writer, um, I know what my style of writing is, and I also use a lot of stylistic choices in my writing, like punctuation uh, choices. I, you know, just that's um, I, I have been writing pretty frequently and reading since like I got my, um, since I graduated in 2015 with uh, English, my English degree. And it has developed over time because at first 
Um, this was my experience. I'm not going to say that this was the, this is the standard experience, but my experience was you learn all the rules. You learn why you would use a semicolon versus a colon versus a comma. Um, and what your sentence structure is going to be like and when you need to go to the next paragraph and all that very minute stuff. And you learn all that and you learn how to do it the right way and then eventually you do that long enough. You know, days of your life go by where you're writing and one day you wake up and you're like a different writer because you're like, you know the rules, but that you want to express yourself and you're like, you know, you, you, so maybe on one thing that you put out, like let's say you're in school and you have to turn in a paper, or let's say you just enjoy writing, so you put up an article on your medium or your Substack. And on that one, you use semicolons a little bit differently, or you use, let's say, um, I used to be really, really religious about putting the commas before the quotation marks and making it like to where it was 100% grammatically correct. Well, now sometimes I'll use colons um, instead of a comma. And it's like most people are like, okay, (laughs) and probably don't care. But if you just write all the time, you have to use one. It's like, you know, anything else. Um, Like if you're a chef, Maybe you just pick up something, this little trick, you know, you're like, yeah, I put the pizza dough in a Ziploc bag for five hours uh, before I put it in the fridge. It makes the dough like nice and fluffy, you know, and me, I don't cook. So I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I can taste the fluffiness. And they're like, it's something that they, because it's a labor of love. So with that being said, when I read ChatGPT's output, um, it doesn't really read to me. It doesn't make big waves stylistically. So it'll tell. It's it's you know grammatically correct. Um, it uh, talks normal. I guess you could say. In other words, it doesn't like talk to you like you're dumb, um, like a like a kid. Because that sometimes when people do either written or like recorded communication that can happen like commercials they're like talk to you like you're an idiot and i'm like dude i'm not gonna buy your stuff because you sound you know (laughs) you're like i'm like i don't think that we're like a good match um or it could be very like choppy like almost as if like no offense but like when people that have english as a second language you know and and this happens if you go from English to another language. You don't have the same command over the sentence structure, Um, which is one thing that I think is really valuable about really learning how to be a writer or communicator. Because English, I'm not sure about other languages, but the way that you can create sentences is incredibly... Um, it's not, it's, it allows you to be as complex or as simple as you want to be, but if you want to be really complex, you can, and it'll still make sense, um, whether or not someone's coming along. So for the ride to like, listen to what you're saying. So I can say something along the lines of, uh, I prefer black coffee over coffee with cream or 
you can say something like, while most people enjoy coffee black, meaning without any cream added, and even though I had previously tried both of them, it wasn't until the 3rd of May that it dawned upon me that I preferred black coffee over that with uh, which contains cream, even though I know that this is a controversial topic and one that isn't broached very frequently. I'm st- still making my point regardless. You know, if you put in the punctuation, that's, that's a little bit of a run-on sentence, but that's just up top. Um, you could see, you know, there's... And then also, if you start your sentences with prepositions, like, you know, despite the rumors... So there's uh, prepositions and conjunctions allow you to, those are like the um, the whistles and bells. So when ChatGPT gives you a response, it doesn't talk to you in a way that where it's overly creative with the writing. It just gives you the information. And uh, it, it's useful. I find it useful. I've been using it for content lately because I will kind of interview it and then I'll um, it's interesting that you're talking to a basically collection of like a what's the word curated collection of like the entire human knowledge database but uh, it still comes out based off of the confinements that they put on it so I think it's it's interesting I, I grilled it on fashion history but then I also asked it uh, its opinions, and that's all on my Substack, which is the uh, Lamb Dog Substack. And so it'll tell you. It even says, "Oh, you can always ask me for fashion suggestions." And um, I thought that was really odd because I was like, "You don't even have like a brain. <laughs> You're not creative. You are. Uh, re- you recall information. You're information um, aggregator." And you're an, you're basically like a, a clerk for human information, but you're designed to deliver it in a way that is that we can interpret and understand. So, um, to for it to give me fashion advice would be I'd have to ask it in the right question. I'd also have to understand what it's telling me without it knowing who I am, and it's only going to be based off of the presuppositions and the conventions that it knows which doesn't really make sense to me because if you think about it I just want to use this the clinical version of this term but if you think about it AI's output is it's autistic in the sense that it can't read your emotions so if you are really upset you go on to chat GPT and you're like let's just say you know you're like I just don't understand ChatGPT because it's it's made to be conversational. So let's say you go in and you're just, I've never tried this. This might be an interesting experiment, but you just put like, I'm just really upset, ChatGPT. I just want to know one thing. Why do good women leave? Or sorry. Yeah, why do, why do good women leave good men? She dumped me, ChatGPT. And it may say like something along the lines of like, you appear to be, expressing the the emotions of a distressed person 
typically when people are distressed and it, you, you see what I'm saying as opposed to having that ability to sympathize and show compassion because it's it's not a person it's a conglomerate of past human ideas but it is very useful now when it comes to rendering you got to ask yourself well hey ain't that cheating that's cheating because I can just go on AI and now that's my art and admittedly it's pretty good and so they have an AI fashion week in April first ever this year April a few months ago and apparently the designs are submitted and they're created with AI well ain't that ain't that cheating and no it's not because this they had the fashion week and they took it, submissions and apparently AI had a hand a heavy hand I will say in these designs so again I think that inevitably it's going to have to be used as a tool and I don't want to be the man on the horse shaking my fist at the automobile as it drives by saying like you know that's the ugliest horse I've ever seen bunch of fools you don't know the first thing about horsing with your fancy doodads and your rear views and your uh, tailpipes and then they could go and drive from city to city no problem and they don't have to worry about feeding the horse and the horse getting scared or the horse being like a sentient being it's it's or and it's not as efficient you know it it can only go as far as like the horse can go per day there's limitations you know it has one horsepower as opposed to if i hopped in a um mclaren multiple horsepower all right so straight out of chelsea manhattan i have a company that i had never heard about and maybe before this you had never heard about but i know where they're located is prime real estate so they are mason meta and this is reading from their site who we are oh it says over 15 years in the game hmm okay the first cutting edge creative studio based in new york city and by the way they're on 200 west 20th street they're in between 7th and 8th and the they're technically yeah right on the corner of chelsea they're like in the middle of chelsea and flatiron below the garment district okay Focusing on using article, or sorry, artificial intelligence to push the boundaries of what's possible in the digital space. 
Our team of innovative thinkers and tech-savvy professionals work with forward-thinking brands to explore the potential of AI, helping them stay ahead of the curve and stand out in a crowded marketplace. Whether you're looking to create immersive experiences, optimize your marketing efforts, or simply want to stay on the cutting edge of what's possible, Mason.Meta has the expertise and vision to help you get there. We are developing AI in the fields of fashion, beauty, interior, designs, and art. Now, they have already worked with pretty high-ticket clients. It shows, let's see, Pangea, I don't know what that is. Montclair, I know what that is. Revolve Billboards, Revolve 20th Anniversary, Lady Adidas, Yaoi Kasama Collection, and it just says Fashion Runway. Now, they also have been featured in Vogue and the Business and Business Insider. And it says past clients uh, include Google. And I'm assuming that doesn't just mean that they bought some Google ads. They also have an ad on their website for Prada. So, that's Mason. Meta. Now, why do I bring them up? Because they had what's called AI Fashion Week. And I want to tell you a little bit more about that. It was a competition. Okay. First AI Fashion Week, April 2023. April 20th. So, 420 through the 21st right now this is speaking in the future tense because I'm assuming they wrote this before it happened it was not that long ago this is reading from their site about AI Fashion Week which with over 350 submissions to date which is by the way not that many the first ever AI Fashion Week will showcase the latest in AI and fashion featuring cutting-edge AI-generated collections and designs from the most innovative minds in the game. Well, then, now you have to stop and ask yourself, if they're innovative, if they're using this tool, that means that they can innovate in ways that integrate, not to be all rhymey, but they innovate by way of integration. Because if you think about it, you may be an innovator, you may be an amazing designer, but then how, do you, how are you integrating AI? That would mean that you would need to optimize the language that you're putting into it because it's language in, image out. So does that, so just kind of playing with the logic here. That would mean that in order to be a good visual designer or creator that uses AI, you'd have to have a high level of verbal communication, which is antithetical to the way it's been historically, traditionally. Historically, you could be like, oh, I'm just a poor person, but I love painting, and I sell my paintings so I can afford to feed my family. And then you can like paint like this beautiful work of art, you know, theoretically. Or you could be like an amazing writer and communicator, and be like, yeah, I can only draw stick figures. But with this, if you're like, 
show me a babbling brook that's or you know i need a let's let's scale it back to because that's that's the clear and obvious um example but let's say you're like i need an inverted triangle where the two you know where the axis is lower is lower um in the so that the lines that are centralized around a around towards the bottom so that the triangle feels more weighted at the bottom you know i don't know what the heck it would even give you there or but maybe you could use that in a if you're going for like an inverted triangle look well if you're purely a designer i'm not saying that you lack the mental capacity to be able to to get what you want out of it but it is to me interesting just like law school applicants you know you get their lsat scores and so it's not about who's dumb or who's smart or who's smarty pants and who's not smarty pants but y'all took the same test more or less and they got a 180 and you got a 140 and so that just says quite a bit so if you come out and you win this ai fashion competition but you're all you're all cheating. <laughs> it's like Mr. Olympia, everyone's doping. Maybe that's what it is. The AI people, um, they're obviously like more tech and smart, and so they grew up and they like saw Mr. Olympia, and they were like, "Those guys are all those guys are all on steroids." So it's all cheating. So it's okay. We're just gonna like make ways to cheat in uh, writing and visual. I'm not salty though. All right, so reading here, they're innovative minds, though. Pushing boundaries, taking risks, and creating something truly unique. Yeah, it's unique because it draws from the well of human experience, which extends beyond just what one person can experience. All right, continuing on, it says, Get ready to experience fashion like never before. AI Fashion Week will showcase the hottest designs in the AI fashion scene. It will be the ultimate destination for anyone who wants to see where fashion and tech collide in the most epic way. Okay, they collaborated with Revolve Group to produce a collection from each, uh, the typo here, from each the top winners, bringing the digital AI-generated Okay. Uh-huh. At AI Fashion Week, okay, they believe these two worlds can create truly innovative designs and push the boundaries of what's possible in the fashion industry. They kind of just keep repeating. Who wrote this? So I bet a AI bot wrote this. This sounds like AI babble speak. Um, let's see here. By harnessing the power of AI. Yeah, this is, this seems, this has AI, tinges of AI. Uh, because they write like high school freshman AI does. ChatGPT sounds like a high school freshman. Which we all were at once, eh? All right. We believe that AI technology has the power to change the way we think about fashion and design. 
Yeah, I feel like AI wrote this. I could be wrong, but I feel like AI wrote this because it ta- it has the sentence structure of a high school freshman. <laughs> and it also repeats the same um, like platitudes, which is something I noticed when I was it- grilling it about like gender and fashion. It was like, well, while everyone has the right to uh, express themselves in the way that they want to, and while it should be okay for people to express something, regardless of their gender, it's like, that's a little bit redundant. You've kind of just restated what you said. All right. By harnessing the power of AI, we can create designs that are truly unique and personalized to individual tastes. Yeah, I feel like a robot wrote this. All right. Look, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how, and if this is someone, I apologize for ripping your uh, article here, but uh, you write like an AI person. Because look, you can see it repeat the uh, generals, like these general statements. So this is a fun, this is like eight paragraphs in. Our AI Fashion Week event is dedicated to showcasing the work of the most innovative minds in the industry. Hmm, interesting. From up-and-coming designers to established fashion houses, we bring together a diverse group of creators to share their vision for the future of fashion. Okay, yes, you can't. You said that. With a focus on creativity and innovation, we are confident that our event will be a game changer for the industry. If I feel like if that was no offense, and obviously like they're they're in the Chelsea district, they're not doing half bad. But I feel like that if that was on a like resume, they'd be like, uh, yeah, we're going to we pulled funding. We're going to go with someone else because um, if you were grading, this is a predominantly visual market. And as I said, you know, they're in the Chelsea district. So the rent's not cheap there. Let's just put it like that. And they are working with some big name people, but that doesn't mean they can write clearly. But it still has designers shaking in their boots. So let me turn your attention to one such victim. All right. So there's a report on this, and this is from Vogue magazine, the actual one, not the online article. This is August. Or sorry, this is L. Oh my god, egg on my face. This is L Magazine, not Vogue. Excuse me. Okay. So this writer, I don't know who wrote this. Because they're not credited. This is from the front row section. It says, Makers versus the Machines. Neither the model, nor the sweater, nor the runway was real. All were AI creations of the Kazakh designer... Alina Stepanova, as presented at AI Fashion Week held in April at New York's Spring Studios. The image as pie in the sky as the Balenciaga puffer clad Pope Francis that construction worker Pablo Xavier created when, according to the artist, he was tripping on shrooms. The event did replicate some real-world biases, though. Business of Fashion reported that, with a few exceptions, the AI models were mostly thin, high cheekbone typed types that dominate runways today. <laughs> this is interesting. 
Outside the venue, designer Ravi Singh protested the lack of racial diversity and disability representation on the show's virtual runway. Okay, so confirmed AI is racist. So that is another reason uh, not to use it. Okay. And then, so it's talking about artificial diversity. And because the employment threat the technology poses for models. Now that is something interesting. So it's threatening writers, creative types. It's threatening visual creators. And it's affecting models. That is insane. But, again, continuing on, it says, Still, some are embracing generative AI's possibilities for fashion wholeheartedly. A McKinsey and Company report from March estimated that in the next three to five years, so we're talking 2026 to 2028. Is that right? Yeah. The technology could add between 150 and 275 billion dollars to the fashion, apparel, and luxury sectors. That's not that much, right? That's not that much. It's not 500 billion. In May, Google announced it would test a search experience for shoppers that uses generative ID and Farfetch has a partnership with Microsoft to develop luxury applications. Fashionable, a generative AI startup, responds to trends and creates designs in keeping with them, while the design platform Kala or Kala C A L A allows users to incorporate Doll E, which is the primary image generator. I think it's like a few dollars per image or something, from what I've heard. I've actually never played around with it, but I have played plenty with um, ChatGPT, which is free. To create visuals from text descriptions. So this is what I mean. If you are a poor communicator, for example, even if you have the best design intentions, um, it's interesting now that now this is kind of leveling the playing field. One would think. You still have to have your your design eye. Because here's the thing. And uh, a good artist, this is just my, uh, this is me pontificating now, but a good artist not only knows what paint to put on the canvas where and where but they also know when the piece is done they put the paintbrush down they put the paints up they and then they give their and then they tell people this piece is done this is a finished piece it's no longer a work in progress maybe they give it a title not always and then they maybe maybe they go directly into their next one. They're like, that one's done. Okay, I'm gonna go on my next one. Or now they're like, oh man, I need to, I just need to take a break from painting. Or maybe they paint as a job, so they're like, okay, on to the next one. But they still know like when it's done. It's not just about creating. It's about when knowing the creation is complete. And so they still have to have that discernment to remain competitive. So just having this thing that can generate that idea is yes, that puts you like a thousand years ahead of, you, you just got a thousand year like leap in capability, but you still have to be an artist. I think that's what it comes down to. Okay. 
Finding clothes made to your exact specifications or designing your own could soon be accomplished in a few keystrokes. Yeah, again, the Silicon Valley types, they don't care the, about that. That's so groundbreaking. In fact, I think that they want to be groundbreaking. I don't blame them. This is by Veronique Highland, by the way. She's credited at the bottom. But as Hollywood writers strike, their demands include including protection from AI taking over their job responsibilities, and as the, quote, godfather of AI himself, Jeffrey Hinton, sounds the alarm in the New York Times about the technology's negative implications for society, fashion has reasons to be concerned too. For an industry that celebrates individualism and creativity, and in which the profit margins for young designers are already slim, the rise of the robots brings with it some fearsome applications, which is why for our fourth annual Future of Fashion package, we wanted to take futurism in a less expected direction. Rather than lines of code, hands and minds are the technologies we're celebrating here, including those of the de designers in the following pages, who have harnessed the craft traditions of their native countries and turned them into wearable art. At least for now, she <laughs> oh got chills. At least for now, that kind of spark is something that's impossible to replace. Well, it's August. It's the middle of summer. 2023. And that's sufficient. For now.